When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's PK and Puyol or PK and Mascherano or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough. And as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy, all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content. Everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. Welcome to episode 306 of the Barcelona Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Dan Hilton, and helping me break down Benfica is none other than Levan, aka Barcelona. So due to the Thanksgiving holiday here in the U.S., this second part of the week is obviously a little earlier, so I can have the two full days off. So by the time you hear this, some news may have changed, somebody might be injured more than we didn't know about, etc., 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 but the Benfica review will still be intact, so let's get into that. But to tell you how fresh this is, Levan is still wet from the stadium from watching the 0-0 draw. So I appreciate him drying himself off to get on the pot here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, also, like, you know, we already know who's going to be injured tomorrow. So we might as well talk about that now. <laughs> yeah, to a point. And, you know, Levan, I have to say, too, that before we talk about the game itself, which you were at, I have to say, you know, you've had your, your valuable family time and haven't actually been on the show since Xavi's first match. So can you give me your big picture feeling about the new man in charge? Then then we'll talk about Benfica in particular. Oh, man. I mean, I just got back from the stadium. So right now I'm just disappointed that we uh, are most likely out of the out of the Champions League. So I like what I like what I'm seeing. Uh, I really enjoyed the game. I think we deserve more. I already like today's performance a lot more than the game against Espanyol. I must say. Um, I only really caught the the second half of Espanol because actually I had a second ticket and the person who that ticket was intended for finally uh, had to drop out. So um, I I gave it to a friend of mine, but then my friend of my, uh, my friend uh, came so late 
that me waiting outside the stadium for him. Like I only, I only really caught the second half and maybe five minutes of the first half of the game against Espanyol, right? So when I saw the second match uh, or the second half of the Espanyol game, I'm like, well, this kind of looks like uh, Ronald Koeman is still our coach. <laughs> and then I came home and I, I put on the first, ma- uh, the first half on TV. But I was already kind of like sleepy and I watched it. Uh, I think it was on Spaces with, uh, with Iso and some of the guys. So I was like talking, talking and talking about the game while, while watching the game. So today was the first match that I really got to appreciate what, uh, what Xavi was doing. Um, I, I liked the lineup. Uh, I think we played well, uh, especially the first half. I liked our pressing, but the, the, the big problem, and it's a very predictable problem, is that when we don't have Ansu, we do not really have anybody who puts himself into uh, uh, scoring positions. Our midfielders are not very good at that either. Uh, our forwards are not very good at that, nor are our forwards anywhere near lethal uh, in front of the goal. You, you, could, you even saw that like we, we had two offside moments, one where um, Gavi was like three meters, two meters away from, from the goal. He was offside, but he still managed to put the ball over. And another where um, Yusuf Demir was offside, but he was being crossed, like they crossed the ball. He was in front of an open mat- net and he completely missed the ball. So that's how bad we are at putting the ball in the net. What are your thoughts? Well, yeah, I mean, you said a lot there. I have a, a few different things. I mean, I think first we start with some of the, I mean, you want to start with what I liked or what I didn't. I mean, that's a, that's up to you. I guess I'll start with what I think needs to be worked on and what still is a work in progress. Certainly there's so many things, individuals, we don't need to talk about individuals, the big picture stuff. The ball definitely needs to move quicker. And I know that I can see that, but you ask, why do I feel that way? It's not necessarily that one individual is not moving the ball quick enough in a way to, to finally break that final ball. But I think there's a lot that, I think it begins at least in that answer with a Yusuf Demir in that first, I want to say in defense of Demir, he's 18 years old and he was on the fringes of the club. You know, he might not even be bought. He's still on loan technically to in theory, supposed to be to Barca B, even though he's registered with the first team from rapid Vienna. But you know, this was a huge moment where he winds up being on the fringes of the club to starting the most important game of the year. And I must say, I mean, he was four inches away from scoring a brace and changing his entire legacy at the club, but because neither of those went in, you know, now we're talking about the fact that it didn't look like he was entirely ready for the moment because of how slow that progression went across that forward line. The number of times he was offside, the number of times that it just didn't look like his chemistry with Memphis was where you need it to be against a back line in Benfica that is pretty solid with those three experienced center backs. And, you know, as, as I go through that, what I like about Demir too is that he was by Xavi given the same task. And I praise earlier in the week, Abde and Ilias for kind of the same thing, but I'm really praising Xavi for the instruction that they were told to get out to that right touch line and they were given support in behind. In this, in this particular instance, it was Busquets and it was Araujo supporting Demir in the way that Mingetha and Busquets and De Jong were to support Ilas in that first uh, match against Espanyol. And then by that point, you know, when the ball is on that strong side with Alba and in this case, it was Alba, De Jong, Gabi, and Memphis also shading to the left. So you had that American advantage on the left and then eventually the ball would get crossed over to Demir, who would in theory be in a 1v1. And, you know, if he completes some of those dribbles on those 1v1s, he did, he had one or two in that game, then you're talking about an entirely different result. And then when Dembele came on, you saw the whole point of that and how quickly the ball moved when Dembele came on because there was just a confidence that he could go at the opposition and that would be completed. And the Benfica had to be prepared for that 
that run in behind as well. Um, so the ball just moved qu- uh, much slower, should I say, when Demir was, he was able to pull off some individual moves, but he slowed the ball down so much and Memphis wasn't getting the distribution he needs. And that kind of brings in the Memphis point here that when Ansu's not buzzing around up top pulling defenders and Memphis can't truly start on the left and come in the middle because there's no presence in the middle of the field, because whether you want to say it's Ansu or not, Barca don't have an actual number nine either, right? So without an actual goal scorer number nine or some presence in the box at all, even, even Martin Brothwaite, for goodness sake, we saw against Real Sociedad, without any kind of figure like that in any way, you know, Memphis, you're only seeing half of what he's actually capable of in that instance. So I think the ball, I, I think the ball moving slower, it begins up top. And then we work our way backwards. If you want to start to work your way backwards, I get a lot more positive when I hit the midfield from this game. Yeah, I mean, Dembele is just a force of nature. But unfortunately, like, you know, he gets injured all the time. But my God, the problem with Dembele is that you need somebody at the receiving end of those of those crosses. Right. And Memphis is not that guy. And the problem is Ansu is not that guy either. You know, if if you would have like, and I know I've always dumped on him at least his last couple of seasons, but if you have like Luis Suarez, who... Luis Suarez would have at least gotten to one or two of his crosses today. Yeah. And I, I kind of missed because one of Dembele's crosses did find its target. And uh, we headed the ball, but the goalkeeper palmed it out, palmed it over the goal, over the crossbar. crossbar. No, that was, no, that was Frankie and it just went over. He, he ah, that was Frankie's. Too high, yeah. Ah, uh, it went over. I thought the goalkeeper um, no, it, it was was sitting. But yeah, anyway, so, he was close. I mean, he was, I mean, he was 10 inches away from a goal. Frankie was, I mean, they were, and you mm-hmm. saw the offside point earlier. Barcelona was offside eight times in this game. That's sure a bit of a credit to Benfica, but it just shows you that, I mean, Barcelona was so, so close. And then how unlucky it is that the game winner by Araujo, which was definitely offside, uh, he gets injured on the knee slide. I mean, that's just bad luck that almost counteracts the good luck that you saw against Espanol. I mean, Barca wins against Espanol because of some good luck, because a penalty call that probably shouldn't have been called against Memphis. And then he puts it home. He still has to do the hard work of putting home a penalty kick. But Barca win one nothing. Catalan Darby get the three points. A little bit of luck. But yeah, the ruck, luck, luck definitely ran out against Benfica. But you could argue that late on in that game, when everything was opened up, Benfica should have scored. And Barca should already be out of the Champions League. But due to two saves by Ter Stegen, one in the first half, one in the second, and then that late Benfica miss late on in the game, that Barcelona did have a little bit of good luck. They'd be completely out of the Champions League if not for that luck late on in the game. Yeah, no, that miss was incredible. Uh, there was a Portuguese signing uh, guy next to me, and he lost his mind when, <laughs> when they missed that open goal. I don't know. I'm just so bummed out because I think we played, we played well. Also, the energy at the stadium was just incredible. Well, not about the second point, the first point. <laughs> Um, not a, the energy was incredible. I, I don't know what it is. Maybe because there's more young people, there's less people overall, but there's a higher percentage of young people than than there tend to be. So, like, there's a lot more chanting. There's a lot more encouragement. Well, let me um, ask you that. Let me ask you that. I was thinking about this the other day, and I want to hear your opinion. That my, I hypothesized on Monday's show that while Kuman in Catalonia in particular is still a legend for what he did in 1992, that goal, all that stuff. He's a legend. He'll never be like. Yeah. Real Kool-Aid who understand the history of the club will never not consider him a club legend. But the younger people who have legitimately grown up with Xavi in the same way that if you're Gabi or Nico or Puj, all these players that legitimately were eight, nine, 10 years old and seeing Xavi being on the top of the, the world, you know, and they grew up knowing him right at the club. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you think that, that that younger generation has a renewed sense of energy, both the players in the squad, but also at the stadium because Xavi is a legend that they know so well? 
I mean, everybody like definitely needed a new start from uh, from the way things were going, right? And yeah, I'm asking about the fans. I guess I asked you two different questions, but I'm saying no, no, first with the fans, but then with the players. No, but I'm also talking about the fans, like you know, the city, mm-hmm. like our our fan base needed some fresh uh, some fresh energy here, like absolutely, and yeah, it it helps that the person who gives us this energy is is Xavi. Who, who is, you know, a Barca legend and, and he's Catalan. Uh, and he's very much married to, uh, uh, to a particular way of, of playing. So, yeah, I see that energy around me. It's not as if I ask people that sit uh, next to me at the stadium, hey, are you this excited? Because Xavi is the coach right now. But, and, and also here again, it's only been like one and a half games. So uh, the, the first game I uh, sat where I usually sit. Uh, and um, the person who's always on my right was not there because she's the person I most often talk to. There's another guy who uh, who is usually there, except that this season he had hardly been to the stadium. Like he had only come to the Bayern game and to the Clásico. <laughs> so the, the game against Espanyol was the first game that um, that he came that was not a big game right, right. so to speak and, and and he's a bit younger than me he's like in between 30 and 35 years so yeah that that would also that good would age. already be like an, an indicator that that he came because he's excited about Xavi personally I think it sucks that you know this season is like uh, a third of a season deep and he's only been to three games that's pretty much what is wrong with with a lot of our fans right but it does kind of show that uh, yeah Xavi here in in Spanish they say da illusion, and illusion literally is illusion, but it's also used in the sense of excitement, uh, anticipation. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen, or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's Piquet and Puyol, or Piquet and Mascherano, or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. 
To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough, and as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy and all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content, everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. Right, which is why the nickname for Iniesta, yeah. also true, that he was just excited yeah. more so than he was just, uh, it, was, it worked in two ways. But yeah, it's, speaking of like the shabby tactics, I want to get like what excites me, because you know me, I get excited most about when I see something on the field that makes me believe that when all the pieces are back together or what is a work in progress, is there is there a perfection of football that is possible? And I know that that's trite and unnecessary to think like that, but I mean, that's why I love Barcelona because I believe that Barcelona is a club that if they want to play a certain way, if they get the right players, they have a system from the academy all the way through that wants to be a certain club on the field. And so when I see things that indicate that, you know, as a Kool-Aid, that's what excites me, right? That's why I support a club that's halfway around the world. And one of the things that's kind of to that point and why I've been excited is in that first matchup, whether you want to call it a 3-4-3 or you call it a 4-3-3, I think you probably call it a 4-3-3 in the first matchup. So many of the ideas of as I said on Monday's show, with Xavi having that one interior pressing so high in the position he was and bringing the other interior underneath for that press and the way that he brought the the third center back in as that inverted right center back. And then, well, in this case, it was an inverted left center back for Langley, but uh, the point still stands. But then the left winger and Alba getting out wide and the touch lines, the width, all those things being used so much where we can immediately watch the final game against Ryan Vallecano that Kuman had. And then we watch these two matches with Xavi and you go, hey, I can visually point to you. I can circle on the field the differences, the instruction that Xavi has clearly given out to change the formation and change the way this team is playing. And I thought that Xavi might even be conservative and go with a 3-5-2 or go with a, not maybe a 4-4-2, but he would go with some kind of formation that might fit the players that were available, right? This team could have easily today been a 4-4-2 with Coutinho being that left right or that left midfielder and then Nico Gabi, whoever across. It could have easily been a 4-4-2 or really it could have been a 4-5-1, if anything, right? Just a really conservative 4-5-1 with Memphis, the one up top. And, you know, you still wouldn't have much width, but you would have figured it out on the right sideline. But instead, yeah, he started a 17-year-old in his first match in charge, Elash from coming up from Juvenal A, throw in Abde again, throw in Demir to start because he that's the player that fits the position he wants and not just he's looking at his bench and saying, we have to play this way. So that's continuing to be the thing I've been most excited about. And then the way he already played the 3-4-3 that he played 
for that he used for Al Saad that he kind of promised was a work in progress. The fact that he's already willing to do those things and give those instructions to those youngsters. And, and I think that's starting to, can I go on my Nico Gabi? I mean, I'll let you respond to the overall tactics, but I want to do a whole Nico Gabi Busquets thing right now. I'm on, I'm on the edge of my seat, but you respond first. No, go for it. Okay. All right. All right. Strap in. So it's not even strap in. It's just Nico and Gabi. I think I, I wonder as good as youngsters are, it's hard to always wonder. And I've been wondering if that's with Pedri with the golden boy, how can these guys be better? Right. Cause they're already super good. They're already so ready for prime time. And they're so ahead of the curve that it's hard for me to analyze and try to figure out, well, how could they be better? What are they missing in their game? That's going to make them better other than just goals and assists, which I think is a little trite because that's not what any of these players provide. So I think Nico in that first half in particular bossed that game. He had four key passes, the only two big chances for Barcelona in the contest. And so far in the first two games, he has been more influential to that Barca press than any other player. He has consistently been in the right spot. He has consistently been able to step in front of the opposition. He has just put himself in the proper spots to succeed. And I mean, just to think of how good that press is going to get when Ansu and Dembele are back there for immediate counters, when the ball is immediately turned over to the, the likes of Frankie, or in particular, I, I give credit to Nico even over Frankie. I thought he played better than Frankie de Young in that game, uh, even uh, against Benfica, even though Frankie in the first half was a double pivot. In the second half, he was more of a box-to-box runner. He had to make more runs in the box because they were going for the goal. So he changed his position, uh, and that's unfortunate about Frankie, but that's a different discussion for another time. For Gabi, he showed the spark in the second half. He was winning balls without fouling now. He was getting more comfortable with his positioning near Memphis while Frankie was making more runs upfield and he was supporting Frankie when he would make those runs. And it was incredible to me too that Gabi misplaced only one pass the entire match, 34 of 35 on his passing. So once again, I think the right balls are there. The decision-making is already there for those two. But if they're able to speed up everything that they do, so it's this weird thing where you're going you're gonna to know it when you see it. It may not be assists, but it might be more key passes. It might be more influence on a game. It might be the scoreline goes up for Barcelona because if they can just speed up everything they're doing, that will fully unlock these defenses. I just don't think it's fast enough, even though on paper, they're doing all the right things. Not even on paper, on the field. They're just doing so many things right. Do you, I mean, if you're trying to poke holes in them, what do you think they could do more other than that? Yeah, no, I think um, I think it's a good question. So last season, uh, I had this discussion online about Pedri because people are like, oh, you know, Pedri is 18 now. Imagine how good he's going to be when he's 25. And I'm like, okay, so where where do players typically improve between 18 and 25? They improve physically, but Pedri's physique is precisely what you expect uh, of a footballer of his skill set. Like, you know, what well, is going to be faster? Uh, that's going to be, he's not going to be, that much faster it's not going to make that much of a difference is it is he going to be stronger like no because that, I mean, like no, that will probably that, that will be probably yeah. slow him down i mean i think um, what, what uh, bernard silva did he'll add about 15 pounds of muscle on the upper half of his body but you might not even be able mm-hmm. to see in a picture like you might not know it but it'll just like mm-hmm. you can actually put him on like an adult uh, yeah like, like you will know it. just just his wife or girlfriend will will know it but you know where where do players improve between 18 and 25 their decision making and their under, their understa- their understanding of the game like how the hell do you want Pedri to improve while he's already like so incredibly good at he's not going to improve his decision making his decision making is already almost yeah. perfect <laughs> you know it's and, and and it's the same for nico nico's decision making will improve well i mean 
Yeah. Maybe. Marginally. Yeah. Marginally, because there's not much you can do better than take the right decision. And he already makes the right decision all the time. Maybe one of them will add goal scoring to their repertoire. That is possible. Um, I don't know if they uh, scored goals as uh, as youth players. Pedri and, Gabi, Pedri and Gabi scored a bit. Nico was always kind of the creator. That's always what it... But no. Gabi also scored his goals when he was way the best player on the field. So those are the same goals that Elash Mariba scored where they were just so much better than everyone else around them. Mm -hmm. The ball was going in the back of the net. But Pedri at Las Palmas was a bit of a goal scorer. Remember that he did play... He on didn't the score that many. Well, not for the first team, but he did in the academy. He set like records okay. at Las academy. So, I mean, I think okay. there's, I think he might evolve into that. But as you said, I mean, Pedri, I don't think we can even expect it of him. I, I think for Pedri, my only question for him is that he already has more passes completed in the final third than like any other player in world football. Also, he played 900 matches, but he had more final third passes completed than any other player in world football all of last year. Like that is an incredible stat for regardless of his age, like that for Barca to have that player is an incredible number, but mm -hmm. he was like 31st. I've said this before to you, even he was like 31st on the list of key passes per game in the Liga. So that's the difference that if his final ball leads to a goal, then and, and like it's a more purposeful final ball if it if it unlocks that final level of the defense or gets past the goalkeeper mm -hmm. that's what right that's what we're asking for all three three players that can you do everything that you do so well all the way up the field and can you just do that thing right in front of goal whether you're goal, scoring the goal whether you're delivering the final ball or if you're like Busquets and you're delivering the fi the the you know the hockey assist if you're the reason why Barca score because of the ball over the top to the well-placed run in behind. And that could have to do with personnel too, because we've never seen, not even never seen, but I, I was thinking about this with Pedri winning the Golden Boy. Last year, Barcelona had the runner-up for Golden Boy behind Erlen Holland and Ansu Fati. This year, they win the Golden Boy and have the the uh, the fifth place Golden Boy in Gavi. How and, many yeah, and, and next year, Gavi's going to win it. Sure. Like, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How yeah. many goals? So, so of those three, like top two finishers or whatever, and three consecutive Golden Boys, we'll assume, how many games have those three played together? Mm -hmm. I mean, there's no, a number. I, I know someone can tell us, but the number is less than 10. They have it's, played. It's, it's ridiculous. Because he is also starting to look really good and, and he's crazy yeah. young. The, the funny thing is, like, there's this uh, Donny van de Beek rumor that we would sign him and Xavi mm. supposedly killed it and said, no, well, we have enough uh, midfielders already. And I completely agree. Like you know, we we do not need we do not need another another midfielder. At at the same time, Van de Beek has exactly what we need in this club. He gets into scoring positions, and he actually converts those scoring uh, scoring opportunities that he gets. And yeah, th this is missing not just from our midfield. The reason that it is missing from our midfield is because it's also missing from our front line. Yeah, why well, we see this? Why, why is it? I mean, I asked why is it missing. So I was thinking about this too. Like, yes, Messi has bailed Barcelona out when they shouldn't have got a result. He bailed them out so many times in the last three mm -hmm. to five years. But I think what's even more, what's missing even greater than that, maybe is it's his goal scoring is missing most. So I, that's that's a lie. The but we're forgetting. I think I always forget too just how many goals he created. Antoine Griezmann's time at Barcelona, he owed Messi everything. Because every time Antoine Griezmann, with the exception of the Ibiza brace that he scored late in that Copa del Rey match, almost everything else that Griezmann's success came from came from a goal created by the combination of Alba and Messi and the space left in behind. And so many of his goals, that being Griezmann for Barca, came mm -hmm. that way. And so, I mean, I think we almost take for granted just how many goals Messi created 
And then he also would finish himself half the time, but then he also actually just put on a platter for, for players. Yes, yes and no. I, I, I just don't think that that's our problem when we look at our squad. I think between uh, Dembélé and Memphis, we, we have two forwards who create a lot. Dembélé right now, uh, or Memphis right now, does not create because for him to create, people need to make the runs. But he's actually very good at quick associated play and, and, and through balls or uh, rainbow flicks uh, over the last man, over the last defender, when, when people make those runs. He doesn't have those people right now. So this not only makes him less efficient because he doesn't create as much, it also makes him less dangerous because he does not have the threat of creating that teams have to be careful for, which in turn means he also does not have the space uh, for, for scoring. Well, that's why I think until Ansu comes back, I mean, Demelay does change this a bit, but I think Demelay will probably still come off the bench against Villarreal. But against Villarreal, I would expect that Frankie will go back to being one of the interiors as he was against Espanyol and not sit in the pivot because you're absolutely right about that. Gabi and Nico, that's the point. That Nico, I think he had two or three runs that he attempted behind Espanyol's back line. But today against Benfica, I think he only had one in total. And Busquets actually tried to hit him and it was a bit too far of a pass. Um, mm-hmm. but, so Nico and Gabi aren't making those runs naturally as those high interiors. And so for De Young to have to, we saw more in the second half, as I said, when De Young would make that run anyway, then Gabi, he would have to be tasked with sitting in and, and getting into that spot. And that is something that we saw that Pedri did so, so well last year, especially the only time we saw Ricky Poos last season was when Pedri would basically play as a defensive midfielder. And when Ricky Poos would go to, go to make that run, then Pedri would come in behind to support him. So yeah, you're right that I think that against Villarreal, they're going to go back to De Young. I think because of the respect that Benfica probably deserved that it was De Young and Busquets as the double pivots. And now I want to do the Busquets thing because I mean... You have an argument for Araujo, I think, if you want to make it. Yeah, I agree with you. Right now, he's doing, for those who are listening, he's doing the hands to the ground. Busquets was my man of the match. I, I want to talk about it because, I mean, this is one of the issues, we'll say. Busquets under Kuman felt like an issue. It felt like we were constantly wondering or saying, how do you do that thing? Or how do you get the best, how do you get the Spanish Busquets in, back into Barcelona? It wasn't about Busquets being over it or anything like that. It was how do you support Busquets in the system? And this setup for Barcelona now that is... I think consistently almost always going to have more than 60% of possession, likely every match. This is back to, and that possession is back to supporting his strengths. There was, I mean, yeah, it's only been two games, but he touched the ball in this one against Benfica 111 times, hit three key passes, won 12 of his 17 duels, helped support Nico and Demir on the press. It's just being so, so influential, reading the game so much faster than everyone else. And if Barca have the ball, Busquets is invaluable and needs to be on the field for, you know, maybe more than Frankie de Jong. Honestly, as far as who's been important to Xavi's Barcelona, uh, Busquets was amazing today. Uh, yeah. Even against Espanyol, too. Let me track back here. I don't think that Busquets has been a problem under Koeman. Um, I think that his last two years under Balberde and Balberde slash Sitchen uh, is where he suffered uh, because, um, because that team became old and that team was forced to defend backwards. Uh, and the lines were not compact, and that does not work in his favor. O- already with Kuman, especially with the 3-5-2, the team was a bit more compact. The 3-5-2 favored Busquets a lot because he had more people around him. But also with Xavi, uh, we're defending forward, and the lines are a lot closer. Uh, there, there's this weird misconception by, by people that Busquets cannot defend. 
he's actually one of our best defensive players. Like the the last match, he recovered 14 balls, which is a comp now record for Barcelona. He, he's an excellent defender. I think I think what happens with people is that football is such such a difficult game, especially if you don't grow up with it, that if you see somebody who's not athletic, then that becomes the lens through which you judge a player. So, you know, Busquets is not really strong. He's not really fast. So Busquets cannot defend. But then that's simply, simply not true because he anticipates and he reads the game extremely well. He has long legs and can always get his foot in. Like you said, he won 12 of his 17 duels today against a very physical team. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and this is something you, I see it more clearly when I'm in the stadium than on TV. Like the Benfica players were all taller and, and muscular. Yeah. You know, and Busquets more than held his own. Uh, he had an excellent game. I'm, I'm just fed up with people's telling me that Busquets cannot defend. Well, I think you and I said it about two, maybe a month or two ago, that the way that I always correct people now, and you know, I've taken it from our podcast, that he defends so well on the front foot. Then you, you said mm-hmm. it before that Barcelona's press, I mean, and honestly, this press has not been organized since, I mean, you're going back 2013, because once Luis Suarez and Messi were up on that front line together, and with Neymar, they did press a bit, but the older they got, now we're already talking when Valverde showed up, that that press has not been as organized and as all 11 press in this manner together. It, we're, we're talking eight, nine years for FC Barcelona. And now in the last two matches, not to say that it's been immediately overnight. And there have been times in the past when they press. So I'm not going to say that too. I mean, sometimes that four that four four two press that uh, Ernesto Valverde did use in his second year, sometimes that would work to good effect. So, I mean, that's how they beat Liverpool in the, the first leg. So I don't want to, you know, I'm not making it a, a, a whatever, but you didn't think that it was this style that Barcelona were going to do when they were going to overwhelm on the press again. But in the last two matches, I'm trying to watch the positioning as I said, I mean, Xavi told you where he wants to put everybody on that press with the one interior coming high. The other, uh, the center forward, whoever that may be, is the one marking off the goalkeeper and the one center back. And then the wings are supposed to stay wide and try to cancel out the fullbacks. And then the other interior picks up whoever the defensive midfielders are on the other team, or if they're playing a third center back, you grab that third center back. And then the two pivots, one takes the other interior and the other one is technically the free man. And I've noticed that De Jong is man marking. And sometimes it's Busquets who winds up being the free man, if you will, for Barcelona on that on that press. And you're right. He's recovering it almost every time because he reads the game so much better. He's watching the goalkeeper's eyes. He's I mean, just like a like a linebacker in, in the NFL where he's going, OK, who, who's their first option? All right. Memphis cut that up. Who's their second option? Nico. I mean, this is. Busquets just goes mm-hmm. through the progression so quickly in his head yeah. and is able to step in to that ball so quickly. And this press, as I said, I mean, I'm, I'm excited by, and you can hear it in my voice, I'm excited by how good Pedri, Gabi, Nico, De Jong can be on that press using the intelligence and the brain of Busquets behind them. That's how Barcelona is going to, you know, this was Benfica, but let's say, I mean, I always throw Alaves under the bus and say they're going to get relegated anyway. So anyway, so I'll throw Alaves, but against Alaves, Barcelona are going to have 80% of possession, but they're also going to, more importantly with that possession, never allow Alibet out of their own half or out of their own third. They're going to completely overwhelm them when this press finally comes to fruition. And as you said, once again, that on this press, 
when the likes of Dembele or Ansu are making those runs in behind that we're just not seeing from Demir and no offense to Ilias and, and no even Abde with his speed. He tried, but positionally, they don't have it exactly right. And that comes with experience. Even Gabi, his runs in behind. I mean, there was a moment in this game, I, I talked about on the, on the match review that I came out with, with Busquets, that Busquets noticed that was incredible, where there was this possession late in the second half. I don't remember it. Langley had the ball and there was Benfica. They had settled in their low block. Gabi went to make a run around the outside of the fullback. Langley missed that ball, right? He didn't, he didn't play the ball and he gave the ball. And then Busquets immediately lunge, lunges forward, calls to the ball, receives it from about a five, six horizontal, uh, five, six yard horizontal pass or meter, whatever you want to call it, receives the ball and then attempts to play the ball on a through ball through that right center back and the fullback, the pocket that was opened up by the pass that Langley didn't find. And then Busquets immediately looks for it to Gabi. And that was the one that Gabi like fell down and thought he got fouled on that through ball. That's what I'm talking right. about. But Busquets, he saw the first ball initially, the one that was actually supposed to be diagonal from Alba, right? It was originally supposed to be a diagonal to Gabi from Alba. Busquets is like, oh, we missed that one. And then Ngley missed the second one. And then Busquets is like, okay, this is where we need, this is the angle. This is where we need to hit. And he hits it anyway, even though it winds up being what probably should have been a foul actually against Gabi. So it was just, that was a moment that wrapped up why, why Busquets was the man in Massimi, just because he was so far ahead of both Benfica and his own teammates today. And if he continues to play like this, I mean, I want to see him rotate it too. And I think we saw against Espanol. Xavi got him off in that first half and everything fell apart. But I don't think Xavi is going to need to keep him on the field for 90 minutes every match. I think he's going to trust the rest of his teammates, uh, that being Busquets' teammates. Because unlike Kuman, who had to keep Busquets on for 90 minutes, all but four matches this year, Xavi is not going to be fighting in the same way for those results. I mean, he is. He's going to want to win those matches, but he's not fighting for his job the way that all these other managers last few years have. So I think Busquets is still going to get rotated, even though he's arguably going to be Barca's most important midfielder. Yeah, but I mean, uh, we're going to be uh, we're going to be fighting for the Champions League spot, right? Because sure. that would be that would be a disaster if we don't even qualify for next season. the The thing is that you would hope that, uh, especially. With, with, with the midfielders that we have, uh, you would hope that we don't need Busquets every match. Uh, you right. would hope that uh, even when he starts, that sometimes he'll be up 2-0, 3-0 by halftime. I mean, uh, we were even 3-0 up at halftime with Sergi Bergwan. You would hope that we don't need Busquets to, uh, uh, to hang on to such a lead. I think this team, if we continue like this, uh, these young players, um, they're going to feel part of a special group of players. They're going to feel part of a project that is uh, exciting and is going to be successful, even if the results are not going our way just yet. And that is very, very exciting to see. Well, I mean, let me throw this idea at you. If, if Xavi is able to, and it's again, it's highly unlikely, but if Xavi is able to convince this group of players that they're capable of getting results against Bayern Munich, I don't think I don't think our podcast listeners are ready for that kind of optimism, positivity, especially for me. I mean, I don't think they've heard that kind of excitement or positivity for a long, long time. If this team has the belief that they can beat a Bayern Munich in, in Bavaria, which does not happen. It does. It doesn't happen. Historically speaking, Barcelona do not beat Bayern Munich in any way, even when they're on the same level in Bavaria, it doesn't happen with the exception of that one. Uh, what was it? The three, nothing the year or whatever it was. Uh, but beside the point, uh, wait, wait, no, 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 no. yeah, yeah. What am I talking the about? Three nothing was at the camp now. Right, Zeno Zanikem, no, right. We, um, we, we, we lost to Munich. Correct, yeah. The return went, match. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm trying to think, no, we, that, one, that was a 1-1 a one, one draw, the first travel, mm. where we beat them 4-0 four, four at home. 
Right. I think the, right. The it way, was the one. Yeah. It was either yeah. Either that or he may have made a loss. He went. Anyway, beside the no, point. No, no, um, no. Yeah. But yeah, beside the point, Bayern Munich, yeah, it's going to be not, a, it's not even a huge challenge, but it's for Xavi, if he can get these players to believe it, I mean, yeah, it's going to be the, the greater thing about Xavi, other than the tactics, is that if he can get them to do exactly what you said and believe that they're part of this special group, as he continues to, you know, we don't know when Ansu is going to be back necessarily. Pedri probably still won't be back for that match. And you wouldn't want to throw him into the fire anyway against Bayern Munich in that instance. But you have, again, I, I can see that Xavi is building something. And he's making his own luck and, you know, players are, are, are figuring it out. And I'm excited. Mm-hmm. I, I just am excited every match. This zero zero does not deter me in any way. There's so many positives I can take from it. And I don't think it's going to change. I mean, do you have anything else? Because uh, we can wrap this up. Munich is not invincible, man. No. I mean, didn't no. uh, Osberg just beat them, right? Yeah. In the, uh, it, yeah. In the Bundesliga. Yeah. And, and they lost five, five zero this season against what, what was it, Hoffenheim? Yeah, I mean, they have no reason to put out their best players against Barcelona anyway. I know that they like don't want to lose the Barca for the, the memes and the Twitter, but the players don't care. Bayern institutionally doesn't care. They're already on to the next round. What do they care? So, I mean, they might not give their best either, but Barcelona can't worry about it. They just have to go out and try to no. figure something out. And you also can't trust that Dino Akiev is going to get it all against Fika. But yeah, for all the people on the internet who are saying that, oh, it's over, Barcelona crashed out of the Champions League, but they didn't. They still have no, but, two points but on Fika also, But Fika also needs to win. Yeah, they have to beat. They have to beat Dinamo Kiev or Barcelona move on. Yes. Yeah. That's it. Exactly. And and they did not beat Dinamo Kiev the last match. Yeah, right. They drew them. Yeah. So, yeah, I know Benfica plays at home, but, you know, it's, it's, it's not a given yet. And if we do play in the Europa League, then the silver lining is that whatever happens, we will not play against Paris Saint-Germain this season. And I'm not gonna worry about that. that that's <laughs> also worth something because I, I don't, I don't want to play against Messi. That would just be too painful. I actually I didn't even I didn't think about that. You don't consider those things until they happen. So yeah, I grin. I mean, I'm gonna put that. I'm gonna put that in a place in my brain that I don't have, I don't have to talk to you for the rest of the season or until it happens. <laughs> but uh, but Levon, I hope you can dry off, get some good rest, and uh, yeah, I'm excited for you to get to go to the stadium and enjoy some shabby ball. I, I think it's it's time to call it shabby ball. And as players continue to get back and Dembele, we saw we got a little taste of what's capable on that right wing. What can happen with that right wing? When you're able to strong side the left side and then let one guy who can go out of back line, just let him go. And what happens when Ansu's on the other side and the left side and you can strong on the right side? Uh, I mean, strong side, like numerical advantages on the right side and, and pounce yeah. back over to the left for Ansu. I mean, oh. now we're talking about let, good stuff. Let me go to mundodeportivo.com first to see if Dembele is not injured already. Yeah, yeah. Right. As I said, we're, we're doing this a few, maybe a few, not even a days, but we're doing this a little bit early. Again, this was recorded right after the game, but this you won't be hearing this for a little bit of time. But if you're still with us, we thank you so much. I ask you always to find Barcelab on Twitter. He's the follow on Twitter. You can also find me at Hilton D13 and on Instagram and Twitter at the Barcelona pod. Our close Facebook group, the Barcelona podcast. We're on YouTube. I had my Xavi's tactics video. I, I still ask people if you want to understand what I'm talking about in the pod, go watch that actual video where I break things down with, with uh, some fun little pictures and stuff. And then Patreon, always, always appreciate all the new patrons we have. Some of the, again, the recent ones who've, who've joined the show and we appreciate that. So most importantly, thanks so much for listening to the Barcelona podcast. Until the next time, talk to you soon. Forza Barca. Forza Barca.